Welcome. My name is Ethan, and I'm the Dungeon Master for this campaign, Brinkfall, the Cost of Order. I'm not a big fan of long intros or over-the-top banter, so let's dive in. We're a small group of five who you all will soon meet, including their characters. We're running a modified D&D 5e system in a homebrew setting. We're not a perfect group, and we certainly will get things wrong with the ruling, but we're all gathered here to present a detailed story and entertainment to us all. Some of the homebrewed involved is a system called Flow States, which is a custom-tailored uh, thing to each character. It scales with them as they grow in power and is nice additions to their characters than total replacements. You'll see them in action once the dice gets rolling. There are some other homebrew aspects that you will see later on as the campaign develops, but it is nothing too outrageous. Of course, as with most media and everything like that, viewer discretion is advised. We are adults, and the campaign may take turns into murder and mystery. But regardless, I hope you enjoy. A thousand years ago, the world was at war. The greatest land army ever seen to march across the dead straits. A hundred thousand strong and another hundred at sea. The golden ascendancy was smashed against the will of man that day. Through the blood and sweat of thousands, the golden borders shrunk back to their shrine of light. Now, it is a world of fragile peace. Roving honor-crazed warriors push for conquest. A union of sailors seek hidden answers. A badlands that no one calls home. High dwarves burdened by ancient grudges and code. Lunar elves that seek a forgotten homeland. Survival is a war. Survival is a must. Alex, who are you playing? I am playing Alicia Lunaria. I am a member of a very affluent family within the capital city and a very devout loyalist to all the beliefs of the Imperial. I am the last in my line. And I was born with somewhat of a abnormality. I come from a long line of sorcerers, but I am the first one that can tap into divine magic. But yeah. That's so being a, being a divine sorcerer, you you have access to healing magics, that's correct? Yes. So beforehand, uh, a year ago, an edict was passed where all mages, anyone that had any sort of relation to mages, is being forced out of the capital city of Mercia and Thalemia, and all of the Order of the Golden Ascendancy. Now, you aren't inherently... I mean, you are magical. Your race is magical. You are a sorcerer. What was your time like during that one-year period while you, you waited, or before the deportation occurred? Well, being as I was a moon elf and born with said abnormality, I was immediately taken in by the uh, Imperial Guard, and I have been 
pretty much locked away the entire time. But, unfortunately for her, she's not going to question it. <laughs> because the Imperium knows best. The Empress knows best. That is correct. That is something that the, the, this state is a very heavily uh, military police state. That This is a very uh, doctored state. This is where the people literally <clears throat> drink golden water that has magical drugs in it to make people more acceptable and like swayed to the cause. But away from the Golden Order, there, there still is life. There, there still is kingdoms and people and places. Uh, Nate, uh, who are you playing? I am playing Sir Beric Waters of the Alley. He is a bastard-born son of a whore uh, from the Downpour Alley by the Heartspire Reach. Uh, he is a knighted uh, fighter who will be mostly uh, engaged in cavalier combat or mounted combat. He has his own sense of honor and his own code of ethics, uh, and he he is one of the small folks, so he'll try to make sure that uh, peasants are taken care of and uh, the weak are protected. But a key thing is, is that you are a, a bastard-born? Yes, he is a bastard. <clears throat> Uh, he does not know who his father is. Uh, his father has some sort of magical bloodline involved because, obviously, during the deportation, uh, the order, the men of the order, uh, subdued him, and he was just uh, letting them do their thing because he did not want to harm anyone involved. Yeah. So obviously, there's something. Uh, I playing? am playing Lucas Erickson. I am a soul survivor from my old um, group of people. I wouldn't say it was, it's a tribe or anything, but uh, I believe I used to live on the Leviathan Islands back before the uh, the old old like fully commandeered. Yes, fully commandeered. Because that was a very recent, uh, within the past 15 years or so that they've, or 20 years that yes, they've fully in fact, conquered that area. Uh, I, yeah, the islands joined uh, um, 735, and then at 738, my village was raided by pirates again. Uh, so all of my family, all of my old friends from my childhood, slaughtered brutally by pirates. Um, but at my time on the islands, Lucas gained a certain skill that was recognized only by one of the mages. Um, I had a knack for carving runic, like, incantations. And so, me being the sole survival, the, this mage who was, like, my mentor, who came to the island, essentially adopted me, and then her and her husband took me back to the capital. I was paraded around as some kind of like, not like a hero, but like as a, a prodigy, yes. A prodigy. Uh, the sole survival prodigy. Uh, so I worked with my mother at the academy 
uh, up until the new edict came out, uh, in which she was outcasted. Uh, I was spelled at the time due to the fact that I am not actually a mage bone. I I just have a a talent of handling like magic wounds. Uh, but uh, so I, I I had all my fancy toys taken away from me. Uh, but then I built them again. I would also like to say, uh, <laughs> during the second raid, uh, Lucas uh, lost both his left leg and his left arm. Yes, I believe he was caught in a very brutal grape shot blast that the pirates did. Yes. And and, and how is he... Uh, I, I, I don't know if you touched on how How has he repaired his, his loss of limbs? Um, I have made magical ligaments, uh, through my use of, uh, my runic incantations and, uh, my ability to infuse them into metal, uh, I was able to basically make my own prosthetic. And as an artificer, though you are not inherently a magical person, you know how to influence these things, this is where your artificing comes from, these, these magical arms, ar <laughs> ar ar armaments. Yes, sir. And I have like I have like a device that allows me to like charge the uh, okay. my like magic wounds. It's like you know I'm putting in like a brand new double A battery into my magic armor century. I do want to touch on, and I I don't want to say that this is funny, but in the story of it, it's a little funny that you have like 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 you made these basically magical improvements to have an arm and a leg again so that you could you know i don't want to say normal but so that you you could do things and then they just kind of came in and just took it away from you <laughs> this is like like a kid just taking away his toys like no can't have that sorry gotta go back to the crutches kid sucks to suck kid and and and, and lucas like he, he just he did not care for that he refused to accept that. You made your you made your stuff again, and now you're being deported. Yep, for reasons we will find out soon. Dear Chase, the character that I will be playing in this campaign, his name is Arthur McGavin. He is a warlock who made a deal with a higher god to find another purpose in his life. He is. He is a dragonborn, and he comes from the Union of Free Sailors. Once but a son to an honor guard to the Union of Free Sailors, he ran a shop with his mother, and his father was the soldier. Over time, he learned sword skills from his father and helped his mother run the shop. But in his past, his mother became deathly ill, and there was nothing that could be done about it. Her, and she ended up passing away, leaving just Arthur and his father. And over this time, Arthur learned a lot of sword skills from his father and helped out with the soldiers. Um, during his time, when he started to grow up, uh, there started to be an issue, we heard, that cities and towns were being ransacked, people were being murdered, something was going on in the islands that we did not know what was happening. So, 
there was a question posed to go with my father and help him find out what was going on. This ended up leading to Arthur losing his last connection, his last bit of family on one of these raids. As when he came out, he ended up, when they ended up landing down in a village, they ended up running into a set or a set of cultists learning a new cult or a new cult that was never heard of before. And during this raid, we tried to defend ourselves, but everything went south and all the soldiers that came with us ended up perishing. From the last glimpse that Arthur saw, he watched his throat slit and he watched his father disappear from his very own eyes. But he was able to see a new glimpse as when his throat was slit, this god gave him another chance at life. Arthur awoke with a new purpose. And after awaking, blood-soaked, in the middle of this burned-down town with bodies littering around him, his father completely missing, Arthur had no idea what to do next. He went back. His god gave him a Gave, gave him a sign, told him what to do, talked with him, and said that he needed to go to the City of Gold. Seek power at the City of Gold, he said. And this shall give you your next purpose, your next thing to look for. And so, Arthur gave up his ties to his city and completely dropped everything to go to the City of Gold to seek what this purpose of the god gave him. And for 10 years in the Golden City, Arthur, originally human, mind you, this entire time he's been human, he hermited himself away around what he believed was the source of power of, of the Golden Spire. And through 10 years, he had no contact with people, no nothing, but sat in a stasis state to talk with his god and learn about many new things. And during this time of the 10 years, his body slowly began to transform into what is known as wyvern blood, or but what he believes is dragon blood. Now a sharp distinction in this world is, you know, dragonborn. There are no dragonborn. There is only wyvernborn. Dragons in this world, for all stat block purposes, are of course <clears throat> wyverns. They have the two wings and the two legs instead of having four legs, like a normal dragon. But Chase is a dragonborn. Arthur. Arthur is a dragonborn. I am not but a dragonborn. I do not have scales. But Arthur, Arthur is a man of very few words, too. During these 10 years, he has lost all social connections to people. Therefore, he is, does not talk very much, only and as much as he pleases to talk. And like a, like, a, like a hermit emerging from his cave after these 10 years, you went down to the city to, I don't know, wet your lips, I don't know, do something. Just, just get out of here, like, follow your next step. And before you even get 
15 feet out of the cave, you're already surrounded by armed guards that are yelling at you in a language that you barely understand, telling you to get down, get down, mage blood, and forcing you into deportation. Now they force you down into the line, they force you down into the city. And almost, it, like, it's kind of funny, it's almost like you're a, a foreign exchange student that just got arrested. Like, like, you have no idea what the fuck's going on. Oh, I, I, I don't, I, for the ten years, I have not spoken <laughs> common. And I emerged from the cave only speaking Draconic. It's a mercy that you were not killed on the spot. And, uh, do you ready? Whom might you be playing? Whomstuff. Whomstuff. Um, I'm playing Trevin Reese. He is a, uh, a human wizard. Um, as a small boy, he and his father would, um, go to the Academy of the Gifted. And the, uh... Uh, uh, right next to the Painted Straight, which is in the uh, the Order of the Golden Ascendancy, up north. Uh, his father was actually a, uh, a part of the school. He was like a professor, and uh, his main goal was to be more enlightened with uh, uh, the arcane ways, to be stronger, to know more. Um, as a young child, um, sadly... There was a problem. My father was so, I guess, consumed by his work that sadly, uh, most of my family, including my mother, had separated, like, separated from us because uh, they just couldn't deal with him being so consumed. And sadly, he dragged me into it as well. But I was okay with it. Um, after they had left, we'd spent some time there at the academy, and then, out of the blue, uh, almost without notice, uh, we left. Uh, we left for more greater things, and I was an apprentice to my father, and we moved um, west to the Conclave. Um, specifically by, by invitation? Mm -hmm, specifically by invitation. It was almost just out of the blue... Um, unbeknownst of any of us, but we took the opportunity. Um, but in the Enclave, um, it was great for my father. But mostly just because uh, he did pretty much whatever they said. And they wanted... Uh, he wanted power and knowledge. And he got that power, knowledge, and respect if he did what the conclave asked so we were sent into um this kind of what, what would you call it up here um uh, a like like a little bash yeah like, like a little we were sent out to a fort north uh just north of the enclave near the lunar elves um there we spent a couple years um learning what we could i still as an apprentice but after a while, um, it seemed that us being in the Conclave, um, we were, I guess, learning more and more of what we could in this little bastion here, going out, 
uh, we would go on these research missions learning more and more but the thing was is that soon after that we were surrounded by um, the the order of the golden ascendancy turns out they were taking over that bastion and they had taken all of us prisoner they took our men uh, the conclave had sent up these lowborn I guess you can call it almost like slaves but not really slaves they were just kind of like the, the best way that we described it was tarnished <laughs> so um, we had people under us that would do what we wanted to do uh, we tell them to jump they say how high um, after that they surrounded the bastion took all of us hostage and for the past three, four months, um, I have not seen my father. He's somewhere, but I have been in a prison for the last three months, being interrogated about what we were doing there. What is the Enclave planning? Uh, what was my purpose? And that's where I find myself now. Uh, being prisoner. Ah, the standard Skyrim opening. <laughs> Only I, I, I meant to be there, kinda. So, you're finally. finally you, 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 you're, you're a prisoner currently in the uh, Isle of uh, Tribulation, and uh, you know you're, you're you're being transported down to the capital so that they can put you into this deportation line so they can just throw you with the rest of the muck because they're transporting you elsewhere. They don't want to waste special time or consideration or resources on moving any prisoner like you. So you're just kind of getting thrown in with the cattle. Pretty much. And to touch up on specifically, the Lunar Elves, their, their holds, they're not a large... I mean, if you look at the map, they don't have a whole lot of territory to them. But the territory that they do have is heavily guarded, not by men or machine or beast, but simply by nature. The very flora and fauna that the Lunar Elves built their cities around is incredibly toxic and incredibly dangerous to pretty much anyone. Even the Lunar Elves, they, they, they still get sick from it from time to time, but they have found some sort of symbiosis to work with it that the rest of the world has no idea how they've managed. If it, quite frankly, if it wasn't for the Flora, the Lunar Elves wouldn't have any territory. But, that is the world. And those are the characters. You all... Once the session begins, we'll be in this deportation line surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of other magebloods that are all being forced out of the city. And from there, it is up to you what you do. But for now, I think that's a good place to... I mean, we, we spoke about our characters. Is there anything else anyone else wants to put in? Uh, I'm just kind of going to see where 
you start okay. sending, you start starting. Uh, is there any now? You guys all said uh, you know excerpts about your backstories and such, and I know uh, Lucas and Alicia, both of you have uh, connection with your backstory. You guys have met. Uh, if you guys want to talk about that, you can. If anyone wants to pitch ideas for backstory connections, now is the time. Okay. Well, I mean, just to okay, just to just to head on what Ethan just said. Um, so yes, due to my um, pseudo celebrity status, I am acquainted with uh, Lunala. Uh, though I had Lunala, yeah, sorry, I had not seen her uh, since the, uh, the edict. I wish for my character to be completely new and alien to the party. Uh, I would just like to say that, um, I'm sorry I didn't say this beforehand, my character traveled to the Golden Ascendancy through the border crossing from my homeland, so I would be mingling with the small folk in like the farms and villages um, on this side of the uh, the bottom border. If anyone was from there, we can do something about that. But if not, it's completely okay too. <clears throat> it's actually kind of funny. You know, not, now that I said any backstory connections, you guys are a mix of low class and high class citizens. <laughs> like you, you guys are yeah. all from different walks of life. Like mm. the only thing I can imagine is. I might know yeah. uh, the father who worked at the academy. I don't think your game was private, Ethan. Mm -hmm. But like, games on private. Oh, yeah. Keep, keep, keep more branded players. That's keep weird. joining. That's weird. I think there's another one. That's why you That's put a password on. <laughs> Dude, that's like six people that have joined. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I don't think I can put a password on until I restart it. Yeah. I didn't want to say anything no, during the introductions, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll just save it here. We don't really need to be We can save the bolt as it is now and then. Rookie <laughs> mistakes. Okay, yeah. I would like to. Yeah. Alright, well then I would well, just restart. I, I would still like to spend some time trying I to. I would like to be on tabletop for you. I'm looking at the map. While we talk. Okay. Me too. It right, allows right. me to really image what's going on. Oh, I. I, I like seeing the map. Still it is. It's but very then pretty. Isn't completely it? lost. <laughs> sure. Okay. So the path password is Milf. Oh. The capital. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back to our good old Alheim days. At least it's not Milf one two three this time. <laughs> yeah, you change it up on me again. <coughs> like you always I didn't do. save it, right? I mean, I always <coughs> had the past always just email. No, I just want to make sure I did. Yes. What? You save it? Oh, okay. <laughs> how do I not know how to spell mill? M Y L F. It's capital M? No, that's, and that's what I did. M I L F. Oh, wait, capital yeah, M? Yeah. Yeah, oh, we, we yeah, used to address this lady. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> my bad. 
I'm low class, as you see. Ah, uh, grammar shmammer. Exploded. There we go. But, uh, yes, uh, the father of dear Trevin Reese is a man by the name of Gillian Reese. Uh, you know what? Roll me a history check. Let's do it. Let's do a little roll. Mm -hmm. Ooh. First roll of the campaign. And I would say, Alicia, if you would like to do this as well, because you are in the upper okay. class as well, this could be a person you, you know as well. But with a 22, you know exactly who this man is. This is High Professor Gillian Reese. He is one of the leading professors in his field of study. And he is not one of those wizards that specifically goes into, oh, I'm an evocation wizard, I'm an abjuration wizard. No, no, no. This man is a jack of all trades, but a master of all trades. The loss of him at the academy would have been one of the most major losses. Like, out of all the professors that they could have lost, he would have been one of them that they would have fought tooth and nail to keep. But he left. However, right. However, but once the edict passed, none of those professors meant shit. But yeah, no, you definitely would have also heard about them, like, leaving, too. Like, like that probably would have been, like, a big controversy, like, how the Academy lost one of its professors that just up and left. Like, you probably would have read, like, headlines or, like, heard, like, hush-hush noble gossip about it. Yeah. I mean, like, because I can imagine, like, at best, that's probably my connection. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we are certainly in a good place. Uh, I think now would be a good time to end the recording, and we can just go over anything that you guys want to do specifically, like, character-wise, like, just brush up on character stuff, and that's it. Okie dokie.